Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Netflix is about to crack down hard on people who are uh, giving out their passwords or sharing them or whatever. I don't know how they're going to catch you, but keep your eye out for that. Netflix stock crashed 30% yesterday, ended up being down 25%. Elon Musk said, woke mind virus is making Netflix unwatchable. I haven't noticed that, but I don't watch that many Netflix shows, but I haven't noticed it being particularly woke or more woke than it used to be or anything. Yeah, there are some shows that are obnoxious, but I'm kind of used to that coming out of Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't made an impression on me in particular. And trust me, I'm kind of sensitive to that sort of crap. Yeah, me too. But they did report they lost 200,000 subscribers in quarter one and expect to lose 2 million in quarter two. So I don't know if it's the economy and people are thinking, OK, we got to cut back inflation. What What gives? Netflix would be at the top of the list of things you can do without. Yeah, uh, how do you lose 10 times as many subscribers uh, from one quarter to another? No idea. That seems insane. It does. Yeah. 
Mark, I'll look more into that. Uh, also, this hour, I'd like to squeeze in at least a brief version of the utterly brilliant Matt Taibbi calling out the hilarious hypocrisy of uh, the Twitter world pretending to be concerned about, or actually being concerned, about Elon Musk taking over and how awful that would be. It is a really hilarious takedown uh, and enjoyable. What else do we have? You're going you're gonna to think we're kidding. More highlights from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard fracas. Oh, boy. Fox News is uh, airing it uh, uh, in its completion, I guess, or, or you know, they're, they're like it's OJ. That's huh? the only thing on Fox News right now. I got it. Well, I mentioned there was somebody in the newsroom watching it and said they can't turn it off, and uh, every little bit I get is fairly compelling. I mean, it's soap opera stuff, right? It's, it's a real-life soap opera. So, yeah, more on that later. Well, you can pay attention to that garbage if you'd like. I'm more about serious news. For instance, uh, we had a conversation with uh, uh, Robert Spaulding, who's a retired Air Force Brigadier General, about his book, War Without Rules, China's Playbook for Global Domination. Uh, it's available at armstrongandgetty.com as an extra-large podcast. It's it's a decent-length conversation. Really interesting guy. We want to hit you with a couple of clips of it. Michael, go ahead and lead off with 20. So let's just start with the very basic. What is the goal of China? Would they take over the world if they could? Well, I mean, that's a very good question. Their goal is to stay in power. But in order to stay in power, democracies and what they represent, this idea of individual freedom, rule of law, uh, human rights, has to go away because they fear if the, if the Chinese people ever, ever got, you know, these, um, you know, uh, principles, then they would overthrow them. And so in order to preserve themselves, protect themselves, think about what we did after World War II. You know, our intention was to remake the world in our image using international institutions. So we used the Marshall Plan, we built the UN, we rebuilt Japan and Korea. These are the things that we did. And we did it because we wanted to protect ourselves from, you know, regimes like China or the Soviet Union. The Chinese saw this. They watched it. Now, unlike the Soviet Union, they realized that America didn't do this with weapons. They did it with economics. They did it with the supply chain. These are the things that China learned, and they're, they're turning them around and using them now. So when you say, do they want to take over the world? Yes, and they're doing it. And that's in order to protect the Communist Party's position in power. Interesting stuff. But wait, there's more. We could make the argument to other countries, look, you adopt our system, your lives are going to be better, you're going to be richer, your people are going to be happier, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Can China make that argument to the world? Oh, not only can they, they are. And in fact, in emerging market economies, uh, for decades, they have thought that China's model is better because China's actually investing in them. You know, in Africa, for example... China's biggest investment is in low-value-added manufacturing. So they're actually bringing factories into Africa. And the reason they can do that is because they've already built the roads, the power, the rail, the water. They've created this ability to be industrialized. Then they bring industrialization. Then they bring urbanization, all to create a market that's beholden to China. So in much the same way we did the Marshall Plan, China is doing that with the Belt and Road Initiative. So, yes. And the answer is when you look around these countries at the U.N. and you say, who do you look to for who's you know, who do you trust in the economy? Who do you trust to have a, be a better you know, business partner? They're all going to say China. And I heard this at the White House. You know, people would come to us from Korea, from Japan and say, hey, don't force us to choose between you and China. We want to be your security partner 
but we want to be China's business partner. If you think about the Soviet Union, it was all about weapons. We were all about business. Since the end of the Cold War, we become all about weapons and let the Chinese take over the business. And if you listen to the Extra Large podcast, you'll hear me make the point, skillfully if I do say so, that uh, China's willing to do business with you no matter how horrific your human rights record is or who you have working in the port or what you do to them. Which, you know, if I was some sort of tin horn African dictator, I would kind of like those terms. I would definitely lean toward China. Man, the next several decades or centuries are going to be interesting. I mentioned I came across a column yesterday. The title was something like, uh, can the world just be normal for 15 minutes or something like that? And I thought, yeah, no kidding. How refreshing would that be? But it's, it, it, I think it is normal right now. We, we went through a period that I'll have to describe to my kids when they're older of like, yeah, it was weird. We had like this 20, 30 year period where like everything was just kind of stable and nobody was really worried about anything and just, Everything was kind of fine, and uh, it didn't last very long, but we all came to believe that that was just the state of the world. That was just a state of thing. Everything's just going to lock in place here. We're the dominant co- economy and country and military, and all the bad countries know they have to mind their P's and Q's, and nobody's invading anybody, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm kind of reminded of those like 60s beach movies where life was just doing the twist on the beach as some guy played his, his yeah. acoustic guitar around the campfire. Guys were surfing and, and cute girls were bopping by in their bikinis and life ain't like that. Yeah, well, that's a good comparison. Um, when people talk about the 60s, they generally mean from like 67 on or so um, the early 60s. We're a completely different look than the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and we're kind of going through that sort of a thing now. That things were completely different not very many years ago than they are now. So I will say this of the uh, next and final clip of our discussion with Robert Spaulding, uh, that, uh, you know, some of the China stuff uh, that we've been discussing is, you know, it's it's not new exactly. Uh, it's always worth hearing, and we've been discussing it a fair amount. But I did not see this coming. I'd love to hear you expand on something you mentioned briefly, and that's how China's exploited Silicon Valley and American technology um, to do the economic war against us. What do you mean by that? Well, so um, what Silicon Valley created was the ability to take data about you. And this is when the iPhone came out in 2007, 2009, we started building these 4G networks, really created the opportunity for the mobile economy. And that's when, if you go back to that day, 2007, when the iPhone came out and look at the companies that were leading uh, in the United States, AT&T, General Electric, Microsoft, ExxonMobil, Shell, and 10 years later, it's Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. And what they did, what Silicon Valley did, was take all that data that was coming off of your device and figure out how to understand your perceptions and intentions and then begin to slowly change those perceptions and intentions to make you a better consumer. And so this tool of using data that's collected about you and then changing your perceptions is exactly the tool that China sought to harness and seeks to harness now through IT. In other words, they get the data from your phone and then they figure out what you like, and then they start to feed you messages. But they're not just about selling you things. 
It's also about, you know, how do we convince you that your social and political beliefs may not be what you think they are. And so that's what they do for their own population. But what we gave them, what Silicon Valley gave them, is the ability to do that on a global stage. This is unprecedented in warfare. You've never been able to go after the population because you've always had borders in the government that protected the population from outside influence. Now we can go right to the individual. We can begin to erode their faith and confidence in their own governing systems. And you see that happening on a daily basis. So that's essentially when you say, what is war without rules? It's about using the Internet and globalization to undermine the international order and the domestic social cohesion of free societies around the world. That was my favorite part of the interview. I just thought that was so, I mean, the, the, the Soviet compromat the agents of the, uh, you know, the Cold War era, oh, they could only have dreamed of a world where we would deliver ourselves and our, you know, our consumer behavior and our personal behavior to them so they could then shape it through our devices. I mean, it's unbelievable. I sure hope we can get really smart people in charge to try to deal with the coming years and decades. Our, uh, our system is not exactly doing a good job of having the cream rise to the top in terms of brilliant people right now, I don't think. Well, yeah, and and every bit as important as that, I think, is that we lose our post-Cold War naivete that governed so much of our foreign relations for a long time. I mean, the think tanks, the State Department types who who thought we were going to be best buddies with China if we just propped up their economy for a few decades and just all that stuff. All that stuff has got to go. We're in a long-term, well, as a different author, Michael Pillsbury put it, 100-year marathon of China trying to take us over and, 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 and remake the world in their favor. Fantastic. So hold on just a second. Let me check on this. Holding. Holding. Standing by. Um. Yep. Switched over to Fox. Live coverage of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Interesting. Uh, what is he saying? What is she saying? If you just want gossip, pretty people, pretty crazy people. Pretty crazy rich people. There's a comma in there. The pretty is not describing. They're pretty rich. No, pretty, comma, rich people. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, and just crazy. Uh, yeah, uh, a little of the update on that coming up. It's pretty entertaining. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sorry, I forgot forgot to tell you, Michael, which clip I wanted, and I'll set it up anyway. Um, So Johnny Depp and Amber Heard were married. He's a really, really, really famous, crazy rich actor, worldwide fame. She is, I don't think I would have ever heard of her if she weren't married to Johnny Depp, I think. Um, Anyway, she's also uh, famous and rich. And she claimed uh, in a Washington Post article years ago that he was abusive. He says that damaged his career, and, and he's suing her in defamation suit for $50 million. 
Is that the long yeah. and short of it? Well, in fairness, she said she was a victim of domestic violence, having been married to Johnny Depp. She never named him, but it was a big, broad hint. I would say, at this point, I have zero horse in this race. Like, I don't have the slightest idea who's right or who's wrong, or if anybody's right and wrong, or I nothing. I got nothing in terms of opinion <laughs> on this. Uh, I do have some opinion on the fact that it's being covered on. I was going to switch to other channels. They're they're carrying it live on Fox, which Fox f- News, right? Fox Not News, Fox? Yeah. yeah, Fox News. Okay. It's a cable channel, and it's hard to. But uh, there's a fair amount of news going on in the world. You know, CNN has been wall to wall on Ukraine, for instance. But, but do you have any guess before we get to a clip here? What is is there something different about the Fox crowd? That made the Fox executives think we'll cover this wall to wall. No, MSNBC doesn't have it either. Uh, wow, that's an intriguing question. Uh, nothing pops to mind. No, it's a, a chance to make fun of the Hollywood crowd. Maybe? Oh, that's interesting. I was going to go with as a broadcaster. I'm confused because I would think the obsession over celebrity stuff would be more of your CNN, MSNBC audience. So, right. Yeah, anyway, I agree. Here's a little of Johnny Depp's testimony. Uh, let's go with clip 28. Some people search for weaknesses in people. Um, that is to say, sensitivities. Um, and when you've told that person your, your life um, and what you've lived through and what you've been through, just as happens in relationships, um, the more that became uh, ammunition from his hurt to um, to um, either verbally uh, decimate me or or to um, send me what into are, a what are you talking about a kind of tailspin of confusion and d- depression I, I lost oh. the thread there somewhere did you oh I was following it she sounds like a real pit viper he ta- he talks too slow for me to pay attention. I, just, I get I, that. I can't handle that speed. I just hey I Johnny, it's the go go twenty first century. Hey, let's pick up the pace. It's amazing okay? how many of your famous actors are, are are not glib at all. They can act glib if you give them lines and they memorize them to be glib, but they they just they're not quick talking like blah 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 blah. They're not salespeople. Um, so I don't have any idea in this, and I I don't expect that at the end of the trial I'll have any better idea of what's going on there. Uh. Johnny Depp, let me read a little uh, commentary for you, give you an idea of what some reviewers are saying. Johnny sinks to new depths. Star's testimony is disaster class in acting. This is from Maureen Callahan in the New York Post. Taking the stand Tuesday, Depp's hours-long testimony delivered in a soft, often halting voice sounded nothing like a strident defense against spousal abuse. Instead, Depp depicted himself brilliantly as a confused, sad, gentle soul who somehow stumbled into global fame and ungodly wealth. At one point, Depp even stood up in the witness box to reenact his mother's suicide attempt. Can you imagine selling out a parent's lowest moment for public sympathy? This just isn't the diminution of Johnny Depp. We're watching the death of a movie star. Yeah, I, I hate writing like that. That's and, uh, garbage. So, uh, that's why I read it. Yeah, yeah. That's why I read it. Uh, I, I, will, I will just say this. First of all, he's going with this whole... Um, my mom was abusive to my dad, and I had to do this as a kid, and she turned into my kid. Maybe did, maybe don't. I don't know. I've been around enough therapy now in my adult life with enough different people. It is an art, not a science. So mm-hmm. you you talk to five different therapists, and you can get all kinds of 
unbelievably complicated stories about why this person is that way and that person is that way. Who knows? I don't have any idea. Uh, also, I always remember I saw a panel of biographers on uh, C-SPAN talking about writing biographies, and they all agreed the hardest thing to write about somebody's life was a marriage because it's impossible to figure out what was going on in the marriage because the people in the marriage don't even know what was going on in the marriage. Leading to the number of situations I've known where the husband and wife have two completely different views of their marriage, including my life and friends I've known. So who knows? Between and before Amber you and, know it, you got Amber Heard pooping in your bed. And that's what it leads to. How did we get here? Defecation in the very place you sleep. What happened? Why are you pooping? I'm lost. Somebody help me. He needs to talk faster. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we grabbed a little Johnny Depp testimony we'll play next segment it's from the famous alleged she threw a bottle of vodka at him and it broke and he cut his finger and just i mean he had a nervous breakdown and just uh, i don't know i don't know how judges ever i don't know how judges or cops who show up at a scene ever figure out who's the aggressor who's the defender when it's just mutual combat between two people that hate each other how i can't imagine how you ever figure that out oh no no. Wow. Anywho, well, we'll have some of that coming up. And the fact that they're running it live on Fox, wall-to-wall, split screen. His testimony, half your screen, the other half on her face, as she either shakes her head, starts to cry, or furiously jots down notes the whole time he's talking. I mean, it's oh, like... good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's funny. You you What you just said reminded me. Uh, that as I was getting uh, ready for work this morning, I was I flipped on a little NPR. I, I'm always curious what, uh, you know, number one, they do some decent journalism. Number two, they're a great, uh, you know, uh, mouthpiece for the left. And I always like to know what's going on politically. And they were running just this shameless hit piece that was masquerading as journalism, talking about various Republican candidates around the country who've been accused of various things, mostly like spousal abuse or that sort of thing. And every single one of them was coming out of a divorce. And, right. oh, the, the willingness people have. I mean, the most famous maybe when Ivanka Trump, Ivana Trump, accused the Donald of rape. And then as soon as the divorce was settled, she said, no, that didn't happen. My lawyers just said that oh, would be some good that, ammunition. That is so ugly. Oh, it's so despicable. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, trying to get to the bottom of what happened in a volatile personal relationship, I it's nearly impossible. Anyway, if you want a uh, more thorough version of what we're about to do, because it is just brilliant and amusing as hell, uh, we did it during hour two of the show. Hour two. Yeah. Matt Taibbi's hilarious, brilliantly written takedown of all the phonies on Twitter who are uh, are pooping themselves over the idea of Elon Musk taking over Twitter, which may or may not happen. And uh, again, I'll do a short version of it now, and you can grab the podcast later at armstrongandgetty.com, hour two, or wherever you like to get podcasts. But a couple of the highlights that I just thought were, were fabulous is... um. 
he says he doesn't know what would happen if Elon Musk uh, took over Twitter. But he says, I do know, however, what other media figures think Musk's influence on Twitter will be. They think it will be bad, very bad, bad. How none of them see what a self-own this is is beyond me. After spending the last six years practically turgid with joy as other unaccountable billionaires tweak the speech landscape in their favor, they're suddenly howling over the mere rumor that a less censorious fat cat might get to sit in one of the big chairs. Oh, the inhumanity. A few of the more prominent Musk critics are claiming merely to be upset at the prospect of wealthy individuals controlling speech, which, folks, I, we don't need to explain to you how hilarious that is, right? Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, etc. I mean, it's just go, go. How can I forget Google, of course, Instagram, etc. Um, Ellen Powell, former CEO of Reddit, was railing against Musk in the pages of the Washington Post owned by Bezos about how dangerous it was that billionaires, you know, have means of mass communication at their disposal, which is just nuts. But then he points out that if that were the only gripe, at least that's an issue. You could make that argument and maybe extend it to the Zuckerbergs and, and Googles of the world and the rest of it. But. Well, and at the point that Twitter became successful, Jack Dorsey was a gazillionaire. Uh, and he, you know, not as rich as Elon, but does it make any difference? Right, right. Uh, but they didn't stop there. Media figures everywhere are openly complaining that they dislike the Musk move because they're terrified he will censor less. Then my favorite sentence, bullet-headed neoconservative fuss-budget Max Boot was among the most emphatic in expressing his fear of a less censored world. And the fact that this guy is a columnist with the Washington Post ought to scare the hell out of you. I, I mentioned, I read his tweet, it so struck me like a week ago. I don't know how the shape of his head came into play. Well, it's a descriptor. I mean, you're trying to picture the guy, right? He's a bullet-headed, neoconservative fuss budget. Anyway, uh, Max Boot, which sounds like the, the name of a Nazi character in a B-movie, says, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. For democracy to survive, we need more censorship. Yeah, exactly. And who's going to be the censor? You, I'm guessing. Always the person announcing there ought to be more censorship is volunteering themselves for the job. Yeah. Uh, Taibi says, in every newsroom I've ever been around, there's always one sad hack who's hated by the other reporters but hangs onto the job because he whispers things to management, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Another personal shot. I know, which I just love because I'm a bad person. But then he gets really to the point of the uh, the piece on Substack, and I think it's paywalled. But um, and and he talks about uh, a, a professional journalist who opposed free speech was not long ago considered a logical impossibility because the whole idea of free press depended on the absolute right to be an unpopular pain in the ass. Things are different now, of course, because the bulk of journalists no longer see themselves as outsiders who challenge official pieties, but rather as people who live inside the rope lines and defend those pieties and those powerful people. And and he talks about how the Trump era really ushered that in. But just as an aside, uh, Jack and I years and years ago decided, actually Jack brought it up, I'll give you full credit, that we don't want to become insiders. We don't want to go to cocktail parties with the powerful and become like people in Mark Leibovich's brilliant book, uh, This Town, 
where the politicos know the reporters who know the secretary of, of whatever department because they're all married to each other and their kids go to the same schools and they pretend to have different sides in the debate, but it's really just a scam and the rest of it. And we didn't want to be part of that, although Jack did flamingly violate that ethos by smoking cigars with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's right. I'd forgotten about that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I can't blame you a bit. Uh, as That's I recall, funny. I would have never remembered that in my life. You'd think really? that would stand out as a memory. Huh. I remember quite vividly that I couldn't be there because one of my kids had a pageant or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we were getting our drink on and smoking cigars. Yeah. yeah. Did you like that, huh? <laughs> he Good said that stuff. a couple of times. And so uh, then Taibbi talks about how uh, the blue checks have created a, uh, a, a kind of a liberal Trump hating paradise for themselves. And he points out how they act, all, they wet their pants over the idea of Elon Musk running Twitter, but they've never said a word about the fact that Saudi Prince Al Walid bin Talal, who's one of the hand chopping, woman oppressing, gay executing Saudi leadership, is a big shareholder in Twitter and exerts influence. But no, they don't care about that. Then he mentions people saying Elon Musk taking over Twitter would be like the final days before the Nazis took over Germany, which is that's Jeff Jarvis, who's a professor of journalism at uh, City University in New York, which is just he's teaching impressionable young people. That's just awful. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's a great takedown, and and we'll have a link again. You're probably going to get paywalled. You can read the first part of it. He provides that for free on uh, Matt Taibbi's uh, Substack. But uh, you know, as I've said many times, I, I I disagree with Matt a fair amount. But he's a an absolutely terrific writer, and b a merciless crusader for people remembering what journalistic ethics are supposed to be. And I, I credit him fully for that. Absolutely. So I'm looking up at Fox, which is covering Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, Wall to Wall Live. She is on the verge of tears listening to him describe one of their fights, which might be 100% legit because, uh, you know, reliving that in front of a room full of people would not be enjoyable. Of course, they all both might be lying. <laughs> so who knows? We have no idea. But uh, Well, and they both might be the sort of people who fly off the handle easily. Right. They're actors and they those kind of people tend to be like that anyway i'm looking at the quote up there heard through another bottle of vodka in me we'll hear that little story when we come back armstrong and getty the armstrong and getty show I don't know if I'm getting the glee that some people are getting out of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial that is being aired wall to wall on Fox. I, I, I've heard some and seen a very little. I'm not getting any glee at all. It's it's. Uh, I'm not proud of it. It's some really good voyeurism. Maybe is that what it is? Uh, maybe. Well, let's hear a little from Johnny Depp. Some of his testimony today from one kind of famous incident that, if you've been paying attention to the tabloids at all. About him getting drunk and her throwing bottles of vodka at him and whatever. Here we go. I grabbed a bottle of vodka that was there and a shot glass and sat at the bar. She was nowhere around. And I poured myself two or three stiff shots of, uh, of the vodka. First taste of alcohol I'd had in a long time. And um, 
then she came down to the bar and found me there. And of course started screaming, oh, you're drinking again, yeah, the monster and all that. Um, so she reached, she, she, she walked up to me and reached and grabbed the, the bottle of vodka and then just uh, kind of stood back and then hurled it at me. And, and it, it, uh, it just went <laughs> right past my head and smashed behind me. Uh, so I stood up and I walked behind the bar and there was a larger bottle of vodka, the kind with the handle, you know, on it. Classy. I grabbed that and I went and I sat in my seat again. I opened the bottle and I poured myself a shot, drank it. So he's telling this story. She's uh, there on a split screen. They're making it as dramatic as possible. She's got tears in her eyes listening to what I'm sure was a awful evening, no matter what the details were in her life and his life. And just what an ugly situation my, my my again i have no idea who's right or wrong or the good guy or the bad guy or if there if there are good guys and bad guys maybe they're both bad maybe they're both good but um i don't think you ever have a chance of figuring out what was really going on in that room at that time um she threw the bottle at me she might testify i didn't throw it at you i threw it at the wall because the last time you got drunk you blotty 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 blah right, and i was so right. upset that you and the fact that you cut your fingers because you weren't messing with the broken glass after who freaking knows i don't have any idea but a hammered guy trying to clean up broken glass yes that is probably not a great idea and here's a guy who hadn't drank in in years i guess as an alcoholic and his first thing is i'm gonna drink shots of vodka Woo, that's going big right off the bat um yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, who knows who knows what an ugly situation and why are they airing it on fox wall to wall yeah i know that's, uh, i'm not a fan not a fan yeah it's just it's just I, so it's awful. just it's catering to our darker impulses it definitely is it yeah. definitely is lord knows i don't need any help with that there's a lot of money at stake though <clears throat> 50 million dollars he's suing her for does she have 50 million dollars or did she get Enough of his money that she he could get fifty million back, or I doubt it. Um, although just, I don't know if they were married in California, how long were they married from? No idea. Four. No idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing's just ugly. Poor kids. I'm more confused. As drunk. A, as a guy who's in the media and feeling somewhat guilty about talking about this at all, um, I'm just interested in the Fox decision to air it. I'd love to know what their thinking is. Our audience, I'm trying to picture like, you know, the, the, the P1 viewers of Fox, like my brothers and my parents. Do either one of them, do any of them want to see this? No, I can't imagine them wanting to watch it. No, but I hear it's kind of arresting. Once you tune it in, you can't uh, turn it off. And that, that's well, simple as that. It's sticky. That's what Hanson said, our executive producer. He's been watching. He said, because Johnny Depp talks so slow and never <clears throat> finishes a thought, it's just kind of a constant edge of your seat. Something even more exciting is about to happen, but he never gets to the end of the story. <laughs> wow. And then you got in the other corner, if this is your thing, a hot chick, you know, uh, making faces. Going back and forth between crying, shaking her head, and jotting down notes. 
Hot chicks making faces. <laughs> so she, well, that does sound. There are dumber things that have 15 million Instagram followers, uh, and then she'll get her chance to tell a completely different story. I'm sure today or tomorrow or whenever. Wow, will she have either? You know, because I, I don't know uh, the fact that he's going to all this trouble of this lawsuit and this public embarrassment and the rest of it because she implied. He had been violent in their marriage in the Washington Post. She didn't name him, but she said she was a victim of spousal abuse. I think he was her only spouse. But anyway, um, the fact that he is going to this extraordinary amount of trouble to clear his name, I, I don't, I, and he didn't have to. As you pointed out, you wouldn't even know of the allegations nope. were it not for this trial. I, I have a feeling he didn't rough her up. I could be wrong. Um, but so I find myself wondering if you accept that premise, if you don't, well, never mind. But if you accept that premise, will she be able to get up on the stand and, and slander her former husband and say to the public in the court system under oath something that is untrue, that he beat her, that he is a, a, a violent man who would, you know, raise his hand against a woman? Is she claiming that he physically was beating her? I saw the stuff about the emotional stuff, but I didn't see the physical part. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the whole okay. basis of the trial. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's it. Uh, well, you know, uh, I'm reminded does of the fact he, that I, Does he know whether or not he did? That'd be another question. I served on a jury, a spousal abuse jury. Oof. And the, uh, the alleged victim was such a duplicitous liar, even her family testified against her. We ended up acquitting the guy. Women will lie about that. Not all of them, but some of them will. I know you're not supposed to say that, but it's true. Or is Johnny Depp like in blind drunk and doesn't even remember that he did it? Who was conceivable? No, right? Yeah. Break it one nine. This is Senator Joe Biden. Big Mama, you got a copy? <laughs> yeah, I got a copy. <laughs> I'd like to say this is final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, I, I yeah. Sure, Joe. More. It's got to be I the end. I think we agreed that uh, that was an obscure reference when it was current yeah. and shall Def- not be used again. Definitely not. Uh, here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. I Let's get made- a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo is our technical director, pressing the buttons. Michael, final thought. Uh, yeah, you know how Hen- Henry Kissinger talks very deep and very slow? Mm-hmm. Imagine an argument between Johnny Depp and Henry oh. Kissinger. The slowest, longest, deepest argument in the world. If the late, great Larry Flint could get in on that conversation, you would have <laughs> an all-day sucker right there. Maybe he could be the uh, arbitrator there. Uh, the arbiter. Uh, young Alex is off for the day, uh, doing some exciting stuff in the world of sports, which is his passion. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, he's just calling baseball professionally for the first time in his career, which is something he wants to do, so pretty cool for him. Um, is it because of age, life experience, things that have happened to me? Uh, peering into other people's complicated lives for my entertainment is getting less enjoyable than it was when I was younger. Maybe that's just me. Oof. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, my final thought is I'm scanning the things we didn't get to today. And it's going to be a blockbuster show tomorrow. Uh, the coming battle between Florida and Disney is going to be something to watch. Tinkerbell better put away her wand and take out a knife because it's about to get ugly. Interesting. I got more of those if you want them. (laughs) I'm sure you'll bring those to us tomorrow.
Mickey better bite like a shark and not a mouse, because he's about something like that. Gotcha. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. It's a good thing Pluto's rabid, because blah, blah. Anyway, go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can grab uh, any of our podcasts, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. If you miss part of the show, the extra large, get some swag, whatever. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. Something was slightly rotten in the state of Denmark, as it were. That's not right. You fool! I expected more. Let's not go through this again. They're locking up my toothpaste. I don't give two crabs. Control your soul's desire for freedom. I'm a man. I'm not a cat. A bullshit! I'm really a boy. And the bigger question on everyone's mind now. Did you get the prize yet? And on that possibly nightmare-inducing note. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.